Hey everybody, welcome to 321 No Kidding. Bob the Awesome here with a pretty intense interview today with one of my comrades from the center. Her name is Michelle and we're going to get started here in just a minute. I think that this is a pretty touching episode, especially if you're a female, but I'm sure lots of men will gain some value from her story as well. I want to just kind of paint the picture for you. Michelle, if you met her, you would think she's the traditional girl next door. You know, she's she's the kind of girl that would be in the cubicle next to you at work. So just to kind of give you the lay of the land of what to expect from Michelle. So here we go. Well, hi, Michelle. Welcome to 321. No kidding. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm very excited about this interview. It's long overdue. I agree. So you're one of my friends from the center, and your story is very interesting for a lot of reasons. Uh, the female aspect and then some of your history, and I'm going to let you go into that. But before we get into the heavy-duty stuff, how about you start out by sharing a little bit about who you are, where you're from, um, work, fun, whatever you want to throw in there. Okay. Um, well, my name is Michelle, and... I am a gambling addict. I have not gambled since December 2nd of 2016. Um, but I have gambled most of my life. It's been always my normal. It's what I grew up with. It's what I was surrounded with. Uh, it was my normal. I never thought it was an issue until it became an issue. I was, I was an art major in college. I wound up working in retail and accounting for a number of years uh, to help support my family and got away from my art for a really long time, um, but was working in marketing after retail. So I was surrounded by creativity, but none of my own, um, other people's creativity. Had some life issues happen, and that's when I started to really go off the rails. Do you want to talk about some of those life issues? Sure. I was married um, in 1996. My husband died very suddenly in 2002. He was 39 when he died. No, he was 37 when he died. I was 39 when he died. We had, he's always had some health, health issues, but I didn't think this was going to happen so suddenly. So quickly in the way that it did happen. Um, his dad was diagnosed with colon cancer in 2002, but they had caught it really early, it was stage one. Um, so he came to Albany to have his surgery because he lived out in Rome, New York. He was gonna have a surgery here, recuperate with us for a couple of weeks and then head back to Rome. Um, something went terribly wrong during his surgery and he wound up paralyzed. Uh, from the armpits down. He was quadriplegic. And it really, it devastated my husband. My husband was an only child. Um, and his mom had passed away right before we got married in 96. So really his father was his only family, but it devastated him. And the pressure of that, plus Kevin's health issues to begin with, just exacerbated everything that happened. And in June of that same year, two days after we put his father in a nursing home, I came home from work and found my husband dead on my couch. Wow. So 
um, sorry, the stress of his death um, threw me into menopause, the stress of that. So when he died, my hope of having my own family and my children died right with him. But I had his dad to take care of because he lived for another year after Kevin passed away. And since I was his only family, it felt to me to make sure that he was cared for. So I focused on him and consolidating his bank accounts and selling his house and all of those types of things and caring for him in the nursing home because as anybody has said, if anybody's ever had anybody in a nursing home, you know that you need to be their advocate, you need to be there for them. And since he couldn't do anything for himself, like even scratch his nose, I wound up going to the nursing home six days a week. My brother went every Friday for me because I work Friday nights. And we made sure that Dick had everything that he needed. But in doing that, looking back now, I realized that I took care of everybody else, but I didn't take care of me. So fast forward 15 years, well, a number of years, um, I realized that I never grieved for my husband. I never faced it. I didn't have to think about it because I could take care of his dad. And I did that for a year um, until he died. And then a couple of months later, the casino opened and it's where I escaped. That's where I ran to because I could go there, not talk to anybody. I could go by myself. I could sit at a machine and I could hit the button and I could stay there until the money ran out. And then when the money ran out, I mortgaged my house. I racked up my credit cards. I took cash advances. I did everything I could to continue to gamble because that's where I felt comfortable because that's where it didn't hurt. And when my money ran out. Go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I wanted to, to give you a second to catch your breath. Thank so you. That was a lot of information. Yeah, and I rambled. I don't like any, anything I said. Um, it's you, though, and we're going to all appreciate sharing you. I know I appreciate it, and I've had the honor of getting to know you for almost three years. So um, you just said so many things. Um, all that loss, your husband, your father-in-law, your sanity, your, your likelihood of a family. Um, if there was a reason, and, and I talk all the time on my show about my air quotes, a reason to gamble, it sounds like you had quite a few. Um, so that's, that, that's a lot. And there's probably a woman or two or a person or two out there um, that have gone through challenging situations like that. So it, it's beautiful and we appreciate that you're sharing it. Thanks. So if we want to get into the next part, <sighs> we were just going down the road of money. Um, but before I lose a thought, I'm going to kind of change the momentum totally for a second. Uh, you were talking a lot about being artsy and I just want to call out to everybody that you are the person who brought the No Kidding logo to life. So I want to make sure that everybody in the world knows that it was your talent and skill that really uh, turned 
a napkin or a piece of paper or whatever we were drawn on that day in the restaurant. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate you Thank so you. much for that. Thanks. So I know we're going to talk about some more hard stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you want to get on to the next part about, I think we were at how numbing the casino can be. So we don't yeah. have to think or feel, um, but the casino comes at a price, literally a price and we need money. So if yep. you want to share how you got money beyond that mortgage. And yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, I could just go there and hit the button and I went through all of my money. I went through all of my credit cards. I went through my mortgage. I remortgaged my house and it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I wound up selling my house and I moved out of my house and I moved into an apartment that I absolutely hated. And I was miserable, um, pissed angry at myself, but never related any of it to gambling. I blamed it all on circumstances, the death of my husband, my father-in-law, I'm not having kids, all of those things. I blamed it all on that, but it had nothing, nothing to do with gambling. Of course, that's not the reason that this was all happening. Um, so I moved into this ridiculously overpriced apartment, which are where I was miserable. And, um, did that for almost a year, wound up having to move out of that apartment because now I've blown through all the profit I made from the selling of my house. And now I can't afford this ridiculously overpriced apartment. So I move in with my mother, which was really pretty humbling at my age to move in with my, you know, at that point, 70 something year old mother. Um, decided I, I mean, I wasn't dating anybody. It was just by myself. And I was still gambling. But of course, again, that was not the reason for any of these problems. That was the, you know, that's, that was my reward. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the cause of anything. That was my reward because of all these things I had to go through. Um, I met a really nice man and we moved in together. I got to move out of my mom's apartment. We started a life together. I wasn't gambling at that point. Um, maybe like bingo once a week on a Friday night, we'd go with my mom and, you know, if the bills, if I had bills to pay, I didn't go in to bingo because I had bills to pay. I couldn't afford it. And that's the way it was. And fast forward, you know, a couple of years later, he and I move out of where we were living. We move into a house that he had inherited and move a little bit further away from my family. And his family starts to take a priority and little by little, my one night at bingo kind of ramps back up to a night at bingo and maybe the casino afterward. And maybe now we're going to go on Friday nights, but maybe now on Wednesday nights because they have bingo on Wednesday nights. So then we'll do bingo and then go to the casino after bingo on Wednesday night. And maybe we're going to start to go on Sunday afternoons too. And then bingo kind of fell by the wayside and it just started being the casino definitely every Friday night because that was my reward. And then maybe on Wednesday night when I was supposedly at my mom's, but I was really at the casino. So then I started to lie to him, but it was okay because I still deserved it because of everything I had gone through. Right. I mean, I was entitled. I, you know, I deserved that. And so this one or two night a week or on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon, I could justify it because he was with his family and well, I didn't want to do that. And I was entitled to go to the casino. So I started to go more often 
And my one night or two nights or a couple afternoons on a weekend turned into four nights and five nights and six nights and seven nights. And then when my money ran out, I started to take money from my employer, my longtime employer who trusted me. But it was okay because I was just going to pay it back. So I did. I borrowed and I paid it back and I borrowed and I paid it back. And then I borrowed a little bit more and I didn't pay it back, but nobody noticed. So I said, well, I'll just borrow a little bit more and I'll pay it back because I know I'm going to hit because, you know, I'm entitled to it. All these shitty things have happened to me in my life. Something good's going to happen. It's definitely going to be from gambling. So I kept borrowing. And then uh, somewhere along the line, that borrowing turned into grand larceny. And it went on for a few years before I got caught. And I got caught. And I paid the price for that. Um, I was accused of grand larceny and I got caught in June of 16. Um, I was never fully charged until December of 16. Um, where I was arrested. Well, I had, I had an appointment at the police station. I didn't, they didn't come you know, knocking down my door and dragging me out in cuffs, but I did have to report to the police station to turn myself in where I was booked. I had my mugshot taken, my book, my fingerprints taken, and I was released. And then the nightmare really ramped right up from there. Um, I spent a year uh, going through the legal system to get it straightened out. Well, not straightened out, but getting taken care of. And thankfully, along this way, I fell across the Center for Problem Gambling, and they saved my life. They truly saved my life. Um, because in the midst of all this, mind you, I got caught in June of 16. My fiance at the time um, promised to stand by me. Um, I had gotten another job, uh, which I lost as soon as they found out about my charges. Uh, my fiance left me. Well, didn't leave me. He kicked me out. Um, I moved back in with my mother. And we went through this process. Um, in November of 16, I found the Center for Problem Gambling. I had my intake. And I left there thinking, hmm, I don't really think this is for me. I don't really think I have a gambling problem, of course, because I continued to gamble, mind you, after I got caught stealing. Because it had nothing to do with the gambling. It all these things happened because of these terrible things that had happened in my life. It wasn't the gambling. That wasn't the problem. That was the solution. <laughs> so I continued to gamble. I went to the center for my intake on November 21st of 2016 and left there and drove right to the casino and called my fiance, now ex-fiance, and said, yeah, this is taking a little bit longer than I thought, so I'm going to be here for a couple more hours. Wow. 
and then went home and boldface lied to him because it had nothing to do with the gambling. We, uh, we talk a lot at the center. I just kind of want to call out a point. Um, we're, we're preached to about our brain and the addiction playing tricks on ourselves. So it's interesting to me that you keep saying it, it wasn't, it wasn't the gambling, you know, and, and in the background, it's just trying to take everything away from you. And it did. It stole my soul. Yeah. It stole my soul. So I muddled through the legal system. Um, well, anyway, I, I did go back to the center. I got a phone call from uh, Yolanda. On, it was in December. It was early December. Or it was right before. It was the last day that I gambled, I think. I can't remember exactly the date. But she said, just come in and talk to me. And it will help you. Please just come back. We'll talk to you. And there was something in her voice that I couldn't say no. And I'm so grateful because she saved my life. The weekend before she called, I sat at my mother's coffee table while she was out of the house. And I pulled out all of her medications from her cabinet. And I lined them all up. And I took out my laptop and I plugged in all of the names of her medications that she took to see which combination of those would be able to kill me quickest without any pain. Thankfully, I didn't have the opportunity because she came home before I had the chance to do anything. And Yolanda called the next day and she saved my life. The Center for Problem Gambling saved my life. The counselors and the clients there saved me. When I met you, you had been there. So all of this goes down around December 16th. And I come into the rooms um, May, May of mm -hmm. 17. So you're six months ahead of me in a sense in the program at the, you know, at the center. And my impression of you is you're like the poster child. <laughs> and, and the reason why is you did some very purposeful things in your recovery. And I'd like you to share what, how that evolved at the center and, and what a good example you were. I'd like you to talk about when you were job looking. I would like you to speak to um, your attendance at meetings and just kind of share that turning point and what started to happen once you, I think, surrendered. I think you're talking about surrender when you talk mm -hmm. about Yolanda. Completely. Completely. Um, yeah. It, you know, I, I went to see Yolanda that day. And as I said, the last day I gambled was December 2nd of 2016. And I think it was that December 2nd was probably a couple of days before I saw her. Um, and she told me to do three things. 
She said, you will meet with me every Monday. You will go to three meetings a week and you will stop gambling. So that's what I did. Because at that point, I, I didn't know what, to, what else to do. So I needed somebody to tell me what to do. So she did. And that's what I did. I followed all directions. <laughs> and so I did. I, for a full year, I went to three meetings, almost a full year, a couple days shy. Uh, I went to three meetings a week. I saw Yolanda every week and I didn't gamble. And I also saw a counselor, a therapist to kind of help me deal with the grief and things that I hadn't faced in a number of 15 years. Uh, mind you, my husband died in 2002. So it was 15 years later. Now I'm finally facing that and what devastating effects it had on me that I didn't see or want to see. Can I, can I pause you? I'm sorry. Yep. I keep interrupting. Nope. You, you're just putting so much great content out there. When you just said going to the counselor and working on all this, all this past stuff and this, and this grief, that's one of the values and beliefs that I've just really developed the last few years. Um, that if we don't fix what was broken on the inside or heal or, or, or look at that stuff, you know, you, you, you said it in sarcastic truth. Mm -hmm. that, you know, gambling wasn't the problem. And I'm a believer that that's probably most gamblers truth, most addicts truth, something we don't want to deal with that we're trying to numb and run away from. Um, and I think that the only, not the only way, but to move forward in our recovery, we have to start addressing those things. And that's why I think like we had a grief counselor and inpatient mm -hmm. And, you know, we have educators and stuff at the center, and that's why we have the one-on-one -on -one therapy. Um, so it's just such a big point that uh, it's almost like until we go backwards, we can't go forwards. Mm -hmm. That's so true. The very first meeting I had with the therapist, she said to me, you know, tell me a little bit about it. And I, she said, are you married? And I said, well, I'm widowed. She said, I'm so sorry. How did your how long ago did your husband die? And I said, oh my God, it was 15 years ago. It's fine. I literally like shoved it away mm -hmm. because it was, it was so long ago. It didn't matter anymore, but it really did matter. Right. It was crucial. Yeah. But I didn't see that. How, how could you, how could anybody? Yeah. Didn't know who, who knew, yeah. you know? I certainly didn't know. And for me, gambling was such a normal, normal part of my growing up that it didn't, it couldn't be a problem because, I mean, I could control it. Certainly it wasn't, gambling is normal. You know, my father was an alcoholic. He was recovered, thank God, for the last eight years of his life. We had a really wonderful relationship with him. Um, but he was also a gambling addict. Mm. I didn't drink. I don't drink because I didn't ever want to become an alcoholic, but I didn't not gamble because I didn't want to be a gambling. Addict. That's not like a real thing. I mean, yeah, you gamble too much, you know, you lose, you know, your cable money, but you know, that's not a real thing. It's so but, normal. It's, mm -hmm, normal. it's part of sure. work. It's part of everything. everyday life. It's part mm -hmm. of going into Stewart's for milk. I mean, it's yeah. everywhere. You're absolutely, absolutely right. It's, yeah. it's like a, a villain in disguise, kind of like it's mm -hmm. invisible, but it's always there. That's exactly right.
Exactly right. So three meetings a week, that sounds like a pain in the ass. Absolutely not. It saved my life. I loved it. Every minute of it. I never, it never, you know, it was funny because like, it, it was the one thing like I kept saying, oh, thank God I have a meeting tonight. It was wonderful, you know, and at first I couldn't even hold my head up. And now most of the time people are like, oh God, I wish she'd just shut up sometimes, I'm sure. But, <laughs> but you know, um, it, <laughs> too bad. Uh, but it saved me. And it certainly helped me become stronger because I needed it for what was coming next. Part two of Michelle's story will be released next week. But there was so much to absorb in this one. I thought that it was important that we take a minute to digest some of the very valid scary points that Michelle makes in telling her story and those include you know thinking that gambling isn't an addiction it's a normal way of life and that entitlement that she spoke about I deserve this I deserve this and I know for me that that was exactly what I was thinking you know uh, I wasn't rich growing up so when I went to the casino, it was because I deserved it. I made that money. So that and how oblivious we are. You know, she mentions that even though her father was an alcoholic, that was the obvious one. And, and that's the point of why we're here, folks, because the alcohol is just as prevalent and in in your face as the gambling like it's no different if you know her father was going to the casino or racing horses or whatever his gambling was it's literally just as visible as a can of beer or a bottle of vodka but as society as a whole and I'm, I'm not going to put us all in a box but so many people just don't know and that's why on the first episode, I asked you guys to look at all the, the gambling pieces. Just today, I got a thing in the messenger. Some lady's trying to sell me something. Oh, do you want your chance to win? Blah, blah, blah. No, I can't have a chance to win. So I told her, I'm a gambler. Can't do this. I hope I educated her. Probably not. I didn't write a love letter or tell her to listen to the show. Anyway, uh, the other point I just want to drive home about both what Michelle said about why I'm the person I am today and why I'm doing this show. The Center for Problem Gambling changes lives. Like, changes lives. Michelle's telling you that. The problem is we don't have them everywhere. They're not duplicated across the region, across the world. You know, there's six continent, continents listening to the show now. And I can't even remember how many countries. Unfortunately, there's only one Center for Problem Gambling. And I'm fortunate enough to have it within my reach. And the best I can do today is to share it with you by bringing you some of my, my peers and some of the things that we learn at the center. So I, I hope that this is working. The quote I picked out for today's show, I think, captures what we know so far of Michelle's story. And it's by Dr. Michelle Ben 
Benston of Hope Prevails. And she says, when the world says give up, hope whispers, try it one more time. I know I'm happy that Michelle found hope in Yolanda's phone call. I'm so grateful to know her. We will continue this next week. And I appreciate all you beautiful people. I know this was emotional. It was emotional even just to um, get it set up to publish. It's, it's tough, but I think it's because it's so relatable. Anyway, uh, happy note. You're all beautiful people. I'm Bobby the Awesome. And until we chat again, thank you. Oh, you get what you want.